Welcome to the Amateur Church Podcast, where we pursue excellence in ministry with the right motivation for the sake of love. I'm Pastor Matt, and I'm so thankful that you are on this disciple's journey with me. Today, we are asking the question, how can we share the gospel evangelistically based on these texts? And we've been reading through Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, the final four books of the Old Testament, the final four books of the Minor Prophets. And today we're going to look at my favorite Minor Prophet book, the book of Haggai. In fact, it's one of my favorite books of the Old Testament. Only two chapters. However, these two chapters provide for us a historical context that uh, allows us to see how the Israelites were living after the time of captivity in Babylon. Uh, And it also shows us God's concern with his own kingdom, his own house, and his own people. Uh, So uh, I want to take you to Haggai chapter 1 verse 1 and show you evangelistically uh, how we share the gospel and, and point people to Jesus Christ. So Haggai chapter 1 begins, In the second year of Darius, uh, this would be 520 B.C., the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. And then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So what we see in the book of Haggai is God speaking to the prophet, telling the people, You have been focused on yourself for far too long. Now, I want you to consider this. I want you to think about this. God is speaking to them in 520 BC, but they have been back in Israel now for 15 to 16 years. They were let go back to, uh, uh, they were allowed back in 536 BC, and now uh, it's been laying waste. They started well when they got back, but then just got lazy. And God is saying, I want you to change how you look what you're looking at. Change what you're seeing. Uh, instead of focusing on uh, on your own houses, look outward. Look at, at what I have for you. Glorify me rather than glorifying yourselves. They had built up their own homes, but they had neglected God's. In fact, in building up their own homes, they, they built it up in luxury. These paneled uh, houses meant that they were going to get uh, trees uh, from a faraway place, and they were uh, using their time to to build up their own kingdoms. But what takes place in this passage is when Haggai preaches the word to him, it says in verse 14, So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. God is calling us to glorify Him rather than to glorify ourselves. And so evangelism begins when we get out of our own uh, houses, out of our own kingdoms, and we build up the kingdom of God or allow Christ to build His church, build His kingdom. 
through us serving him like we should. And so we should, in this way, um, look for God's glory, not our own. But then there's a problem. In chapter 2, verse 1, we see that on the 21st of the seventh month, so this would move us from about the 1st of September all the way to October, about the 17th, uh, 520 B.C., the word comes through Haggai. And verse 3 says, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? But now take care, take courage, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Take courage, for I am with you. Verse 5, As for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. Once more, in a little while, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also, and the dry land. He says in verse 7, I will fill this house with my glory, says the Lord. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, and the latter glory of the house will be greater than the former. So what I want you to see is um, what's going on in this passage. God is is uh, is showing them that if they will seek His will rather than focus on, um, on what has already happened in the past, that God's glory will be greater in the future than it was in the past. So contextually understand what was going on. The elders uh, who had seen the glory of the former temple became upset because when they looked at the new temple as it was being built, it didn't look like it used to. And they were walking around saying, Oh, hey, uh, I remember how it used to be. Or this isn't the way we've always done it. That type of rhetoric. And and the it was discouraging the young ones. It was discouraging the people from doing anything. And they were trying to measure their success based on previous or even paralleled performance. Previous performance of the temple or what other nations had. And the truth is you've got to focus on God's direction today. So when we talk about evangelism, many will say, well, it's not like it used to be in the 50s or the 60s or you know, the Jesus movement. It's not like it was you know, 20 years ago. And, and people get upset because we might not be experiencing some of the same things. But God is reminding us, be faithful today. That what he's called you to do today, he will equip you. And we must constantly look forward, that we focus on what God is doing. Yes, we celebrate what God has done in the past, but we cannot live in the past or we won't do anything now. And these elders were actually being a, a discouragement and a detriment to the present work in that day. And so we've got to seek God's will for the future rather than seek God's work in the past. Third, Look at chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priest for a ruling. If a man carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches bread with his fold or cooked food, wine, oil, or any other food, will it become holy? And the priest answered, No. Then Haggai said, If one who is unclean from a corpse touches any of these, will the latter become unclean? And the priest answered, It will become unclean. Then Haggai said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so is every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. So what was going on in this time was while the work was being done, now we're about December, uh, the ninth month, while the work is being done, the building was being constructed, but the worship of the people was not taking place. And God is saying, it is easier to 
to uh, to ruin, to become unclean than it is to be clean. You must confess rather than criticize. You must confess rather than hide. You must come clean before God and, and keep coming to God. Because if the temple had been built, and, and this is a question that is asked uh, throughout Haggai uh, indirectly. The question is, would God rather have it a temple built or a people built? And the answer is, he'd rather have the people uh, built for worship, not just an empty temple. In fact, in other Old Testament prophets, we've read where God said, if only one person would come and shut the doors because they're offering false sacrifices, they're, they're, they're false worship. He says, I stopped up my ears because I hated the noise of your songs. God did not want uh, unclean and uh, false worship. He wanted them to worship uh, the way that he had prescribed. And so uh, worship and godliness matters. Godliness in worship matters. So they were to look at God's holiness, not their sinfulness. And so uh, in this, they were to glorify God rather than glorifying themselves. They were to seek God's will for their future rather than seek God's work in the past. And they were to confess and get right with God rather than just produce false worship. Finally, my favorite part of the book of Haggai is Haggai chapter 2. Because now Zerubbabel the governor becomes worried about other nations. And the word of the Lord comes to him and says, Speak to Zerubbabel governor of Judah saying, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the thrones of the kingdoms and destroy the power of the kingdoms of the nations. And I will overthrow the chariots and the riders and the horses and the riders will go down every one by the sword of another. God tells him, listen, I am in control. Walk in faith rather than worrying about the fight. Do not worry about the fight. Walk in faith. That's what God's declaring to the governor of Israel. That's what God's declaring through uh, Haggai. And that's what God declares to us. That as we glorify Him and seek His will, and as we witness to others, we witness in holiness and we witness in faith, knowing that God has the battle. God has already won the victory, and we just need to put on Ephesians 6, the armor of God, and walk in faith. Well, how can we uh, how can we walk in that faith? Well, three reminders that God gives Zerubbabel, that God gives us in His Son Jesus Christ. Notice this: Number one, chapter one, verse thirteen. God said, "I am with you," declares the Lord. He reminds them that He is with with them, and for us, God is within us, not just with us, but in us, His Holy Spirit. Because of Jesus Christ, we can walk in faith knowing that the Spirit of God resides in us. Chapter 2, verse 19, he says, From this day I will bless you, that we are blessed. We have been blessed, according to Ephesians chapter 2, with every heavenly blessing. Uh, and, and we have been seated in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 1 reminds us that we've been sealed with the Spirit of God. And we've been blessed beyond... Uh, anything that we can imagine or think according to 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 second uh, corinthians so we walk in blessing and favor of god the grace of god but then notice chapter 2 verse 23 how he closes out the the book he says on that day declares the lord of hosts i will take you zerubbabel son of sheatel 
my servant, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. He reminds him that I am with you, I will bless you, and I have chosen you to be my signet ring. Now, what does this mean? Well, when you look at the passage and see it in the context, when you go all the way back to Jeremiah, God, God cut the line of David when Jehoiakim uh, was the signet ring, and he said, I will no longer let him be my signet ring. And the line was cut for 70 years. And now God is saying, Zerubbabel, I'm putting you back on as my signet ring. You, I have chosen to be the leader that day. And, and Zerubbabel feels blessed and encouraged that he is the leader God chose to help build the temple. But even more than that, I want to show you something that is just amazing to me. It knocks my socks off. Uh, God chooses Zerubbabel to be governor and leader during the rebuilding of the temple, but that is not the only thing Zerubbabel was chosen for. Because the focus of Haggai Though I've shared with you that they were rebuilding the house, God is not just concerned with a physical house. God was concerned about a spiritual house. Zerubbabel was chosen to be a leader in that day, rebuilding the temple, but he was also chosen to be a legacy in building his church. In Matthew chapter 1, we find Zerubbabel's name mentioned. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 1 verse 12 after the deportation of uh, to Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Sheatil, and Sheatil the father of Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel was the father of Abihud. Now when you go all the way down, you find out that in verse 16 it says, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. And we find that Zerubbabel gets to be included in the family of God, the lineage of Jesus Christ. He, God was with him, God blessed him, and God chose him to be the one that would be able to bring about the Messiah. And when you and I share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around us, when we glorify God and His kingdom rather than our own, when we seek the future rather than the past, when we walk in holiness and when we walk in faith, we get to be part of the family of God and we get to be part of that signet ring that God had chosen Zerubbabel for. And it's only because Jesus Christ is our hero. Haggai is not, Zerubbabel is not, Joshua is not. Jesus Christ lived, died, was buried, and rose again victorious so that you and I might be saved. Now, as we close out this episode of evangelism, uh, we uh, know that today is Thursday and it is Throwback Thursday. We look at a moment in church history. And so our moment in church history comes in the year 1525. Now, if you've paid attention over the past few weeks, you've seen uh, the, the story of the Protestant Reformation beginning uh, primarily with, though there were many things that led up to it, primarily with Martin Luther in 1517 and the nailing of the 95 Theses in Germany at Wittenberg. Then in 1523 with, the, uh, with Zwingli and, uh, in, uh, in Switzerland and his reformations. Well, under Zwingli, a group of, children, uh, a group of Christians did not want simple reforms. They actually wanted an overhaul of the church culture in that day. To, to actually go all the way back 
take the church back to first century ideals. And so they were not looking just for minor reforms in the Catholic Church. They wanted a, uh, a, a church apart from the political structure and the hierarchy that they had seen. So this radical group sought what would be known as a self-governing church, ruled not by a pope, but by the Holy Spirit. They didn't, according to many scholars, they did not want a powerful institution, but rather a brotherhood or a family of faith created by God. So they believed that God not only spoke through bishops and councils, but through individual church members. And this spread throughout uh, uh, the uh, the Swiss Reformation. It spread throughout Switzerland and uh, Ge- Geneva. And through this, uh, the they had many issues they disagreed with the Catholics on. But the tipping point issue was actually infant baptism. Uh, this group objected to infant baptism. And on January the 21st, 1525, these, this group, these individuals met and they baptized one another, not infants, but one another, and, and declared that the Word of God only described adult baptism. And they became known as later as Anabaptist or rebaptized baptizers, Anna and baptizer. Uh, they became known for many riots that they would have, uh, but also for pacifism. They would not serve in the military. During that time, the best known leader was a guy by the name of Mino Simons. And even though he did not organize the Anabaptists, he became a prominent leader among the Anabaptists. They really didn't have one particular leader. Uh, But Mino Simmons, uh, his name is taken and was given to a group uh, that was established called the Mennonites. You may know them as the Mennonites. Uh, And so they are the descendants of these Anabaptists. Uh, We get the Mennonites and the Brethren churches are also among its descendants. And we we still have many pockets of them throughout the the United States. Uh, But understand that these Anabaptists, uh, were, many were put to death by religious leaders. They were uh, put in uh, in a fire or they were drowned. Uh, and their testimony was one of pacifism, but also one of powerful uh, purity uh, from, and, uh, and, and following the Word of God apart from the Catholic Church. So today, we do thank God for a group of individuals that said, hey, Baptism is only for adults who have, uh, only for those who have, uh, whether children or adults, who have made a conscious decision to follow Jesus Christ, and uh, and their legacy lives on today. We are thankful for their legacy. While we may not agree with everything uh, that they said, we do thank God for their impact in the Protestant Reformation. Uh, and so, remember, even with their example. Uh, just like in the book of Haggai, that it takes individuals who are willing to stop focusing on their own kingdoms, building up their own houses, and getting back to understanding it is time now to build the house of the Lord. Let Christ build His church by us being faithful to Jesus. And the way we do that is evangelism. We share the gospel, but we also disciple those who are evangelized to become evangelists. Evangelism is not complete until the evangelized become evangelists. They share the good news that Jesus Christ lived, died, was buried, 
and rose again. He's coming again, church. Let us be faithful. I love you. I'm praying for you. Stakes in the blood.